You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another Locked On Crossover. I am Brian Brown. I'm the host of Locked On Utes. I'm here with my good friend, Jay Stevens. It's a pleasure for me to be here today with Jay. Uh, the Rose Bowl just bringing people together. Um, but I think, you know, in a lot of respects, it's also pushing people apart. As the big news coming out, I think, is is the, the decision by a few Ohio State players uh, to opt out and, and declare for the NFL draft. We've seen a few Utah players do the same, saying that they would declare after the game. But the big news yesterday, uh, it's the departure of a couple of key uh, players for the Buckeyes. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Haskell Garrett, and Nicholas petit Frere all opted out of playing in the Rose Bowl game. The three of the four of them, we talked about I, on Locked on Buckeyes, we talked about it last week, about it speculated that petit Frere left tackle, Haskell Garrett D-tackle, and then Garrett Wilson, receiver, it was speculation that all three of them were going to opt out. Alave was the interesting one. The timing was odd. Things leading up to the announcement were odd. But you're losing four guys, four starters, four leaders, four guys that are going to get drafted in the upcoming NFL draft. But, hey, you kind of you possibly saw this coming. Get in the game. Figure it out. Find out what you got to do to win the game. It's just really unfortunate that Ohio State will be without two of their best receivers, their starting left tackle, and the starting defensive tackle in the Rose Bowl. It is, and I think this was a matchup that was going to be um, really uh, interesting with those players involved. Uh, now I think it's it even more interesting. We talked about it previously in our crossover episode about you know the reasoning for it, right? And and it was kind of uh, assumed that Olave was going to play because he's a Southern California kid. Mm-hmm. It was his chance to go home, play in the Rose Bowl, fulfill a dream. And then he just kind of out of nowhere decides, uh, no, I think I'm going to go play in the NFL. Uh, like it, it just very unique scenario. If you're looking at this one, though, Jay, I, I think the big question to me is which one of these declarations has the biggest impact on Ohio State? Because I think everybody would naturally assume that it's the wide receivers, right? But in, in you know maybe it's not. Maybe it's the uh, Petit Frere. I want to do two. And I'm going to say not Petit Frere left tackle because the offensive line, we already know. Well, people that are Ohio State fans, you kind of already know who's going to fill in that hole. You move there, Mumford left guard to left tackle, the spot he's going to play in the NFL. You move in Matt Jones to left guard. That's kind of expected. We've seen that variation throughout the season. So that's not really the crazy one. I think the two the two biggest ones are kind of go hand in hand. Alave at receiver and Haskell Garrett at de- defensive tackle. We have seen Ohio State's offense without Garrett Wilson on the field this year. It's not pretty. It's not the best. But Alave is a big piece. You already expect Garrett Wilson to not be out there. So that's kind of one of the things where it's like we expect not to have him. As good as he is, he is expected not to be there based off the current climate in college football. But losing Alave, you mean to tell me the best receiver on the team? Now, granted, Jackson Smith and Jigba is a phenomenal receiver. But he is the leading guy out there, the next highest um, guy in receiving yards, I think, has a 700-yard drop between Alave to the very next guy, which is a starting running back, and Travion Henderson. That's big, but equally as big to me is losing Haskell Garrett, team leader in sacks, team leader in TFLs. You're losing leaders on both sides of the ball, but Alave on the outside. Gar- Haskell Garrett in the middle, on the in the trenches. Ohio State, the last time we saw them play football, Brian, they were soft. 
And with Haskell Garrett not out there, he was he didn't play much against Michigan. Didn't play as much as I think he should have against, against Michigan. But he's not going to be out there at all this time. So who's going to get in the backfield to get tackles for loss? Is it Zach Harrison? Probably not. Tyreek Smith? Probably not. So we're already behind in the eight ball, behind in the chess match already, and the game hasn't even been played, hasn't started yet. The timing of it, too, seems very unique to me because I think, uh, you know, we talked a little bit pre-show. Why would you do something like this? Uh, it, it it seems to me like you'd want to try and lead Utah on as long as possible that those mm-hmm. players are going to be playing. And so you lead up to this very last week, and, and they decide, you know, okay, you know, they probably told the coaching staff a while ago this is probably something that's been decided previously. And so they had a little bit of an inkling for it. Um Given that now Utah has to prepare for a different set of wide receivers almost entirely, what does Ohio State have coming up the ranks that that um, you know a let's let, let's let's be honest a very uh, endangered uh, defensive back unit for Utah because of injuries decimated maybe would be a better word uh, we'll have to prepare for now. Yeah, man, it's gonna be a tough task. Um, I, I'm still up trying to figure out solutions and options and ways to combat. What Utah is going to throw their way. You talk about the timing of everything. I mean, think about this. If I have a, if I, if I'm preparing, if my job is preparing for something, a big presentation, and all of a sudden my boss has me there, I am a part of the team, a big piece of whatever the top three or four guys in this group are. And all of a sudden the presentation is on a Friday, on a Monday. I'm preparing with them, and all of a sudden it's like, hey, um, I won't be here. So you'd mean to tell me that for the past three weeks, we've been together working to this thing, building up to this moment, and all of a sudden, by 3 o'clock on the day, we're about done with practice, and all of a sudden you're like, hey, yeah, I won't be here at the end of the week. Like, that's the kind of blindsided thing move as this was by Chris Alave. Now, I'm not saying it wasn't done intern- like internally. I'm not saying Ryan Day did not know there was a possibility of all this happening. But as a coach in the period of college football where roster management needs to – really hard, very, very hard. One of your leaders is basically saying, I'm going to practice as long as I can and then announce at the latest point I can to decide if I'm going to play or not. At the conversation I, w- I would have wanted to have with Chris Olave two weeks ago, after the big Ten championship game, we weren't there, but the team would say, hey, wh- what are you doing? Because I don't want to get to the week of the game, then you're not going to be there, you're not playing. I'm not Dave, Ryan Dave, this may be Ryan Dave's doing, I don't know. But as someone that is an analyst analyzing analyzing what goes on, that was weird. I even had one of my friends text me and ask, wait, wasn't he in uniform today, literally on Monday when he announced it? And then even late into the evening when he put the the graphic out on Twitter about, hey, I'm this is my statement. Thank the coaches, the players, the athletic department, all those things. They even, even were like, this makes me more mad because now it's like it's rubbing it, not rubbing it in the face, but it's putting salt to the injury, salt to the wound, it sucks. But this is the way that college football, at least right now it is. Ryan Day allowed him to announce it, that his, he's going to opt out the same day he practiced. Buddy, that's weird to me. That's the part that really just kind of leaves you scratching your head is what's the point of practicing all the way up until this point if you're going to opt out all along? Now, if he truly was undecided and this was sort of the deadline day where they had to have an answer and the last moment, he, you know – I just I don't know that I can buy into that if you're going to opt out, right? If that was the decision, right? Then then you wouldn't have been practicing because that was likely the path all along. It was like the decision you're going to make. You know, I don't think that you're going to last second opt out. You might last second opt in. 
Um, but I think this is uh, the other contrast to this is just we talk about it. This is college football in the chaos right now, right? Like COVID is wrecking bowl games left and right. Uh, you're having players opt out uh, all over the place, both for health and safety, but also the transfer portal. So rosters are decimated. But then again, you contrast it with a team like Utah, where they haven't had a single opt out yet for health and safety protocols. They haven't had a single player enter the transfer portal yet, albeit there will likely be some after this game. And you contrast that with with Ohio State, which just had four players exit. And I would have to think that you know Buckeye fans are not pleased about this and and you know Utah fans in a, in a in a weird uh, weird kind of scenario are a little bit displeased with it as well because I think they wanted to play a full strength Buckeye team and show you know this is a team in a conference in the Pac-12 that 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 still has a place in the national scope and and now you know it's kind of you know up in the air what we're really going to get in terms of performances I would think probably from both sides Think about the last year's national championship game. I remember there were rumblings um, about Ohio State COVID inside the program. Ohio State does a good job of keeping things internal. Even those that cover the team that are beat writers, they don't really release all the information that they know. Of course, you want to stay on the coach's good side, so you're only going to release the things that need to be released, and I get all of those things. But there was talk last year that there's a possibility of the national championship game getting pushed back due to COVID complications inside the Ohio State football program. They ended up playing the game. They were without Tyreek Smith. They were without some other key players on the team. And, well, with them or without them, I still think Alabama was going to win the game. I have heard nobody bring up COVID from last year's national championship. All we talk about is Devonta Smith and Tough Borland. I, I keep hearing about stuff that happened on the field, which is what I love. They don't talk about what happened off the field. And I think in this game, Brian, I do think that COVID may be a factor, but I don't think it's going to be the determining factor about what happens on the field. These are still two really good, two really talented football teams. And in the Rose Bowl, I do think Utah is a worthy opponent that is going to pose a threat. No matter if Ohio State's at full strength or not, Utah is a really good physical football team that is going to throw everything at Ohio State Saturday so they can win the game. They can try to win the game. Yeah, and I think that's something that we should definitely talk about uh, around the corner. Wanna first off, thank everybody for making whatever your locked on pod is. You know, whether it's locked on Buckeyes or locked on Utes, for making that your first listen every day. Uh, we are free and available on all platforms, and brought to you this week by Sonos. Uh, Sonos is the official sponsor of ESPN College Football. Go to Sonos.com to learn more. Utah fans, we know that you like it when your team gets it done. And that's why today I wanted to talk to you about Intercap because Intercap gets deals done. There's a reason that no lender helps more families in Utah with their mortgage needs. It is the quick and simple process that Intercap uses to close loans two weeks faster than the industry average. And though fast is great, the ultimate goal is to create a stress-free home loan process. And that is what Locked On Utes personal loan officer Steve Carter has delivered to hundreds of Locked On listeners so far, including network founder david Locke, and you know that if steve carter can close a loan for david Locke and do it on time and do it fast and, and stress-free that he can do it for anybody intercap is new to the locked on utes podcast but it is not new they've been around assisting customers with all their mortgage needs since 1978 that's over 43 years of experience and steve carter has been providing 
our Locked On listeners with the best experience since 2018. Intercap is headquartered here in Utah, but licensed to help with all your mortgage needs in 40 different states. Give Steve a call. His direct number is 385-800-8528. You will not find a more responsive loan officer. Again, that number is 385-800-8528. Give Steve Carter a call. Tell him that you heard about him on Locked On Utes podcast. Steve Carter with Intercap Lending. That number one last time, 385-800-8528. That's Intercap Lending, NMLS number 190465. I want to talk about the actual on-field matchup because I think that's, you know, the, the off-field drama is part of college football. I mean, you, you can't avoid it there. I mean, we, we this might have been one of the craziest seasons, you know, obviously since last year, but, but even going back, you know, years before, you had a, uh, a special teams coordinator um, from Texas who's, girlfriend's monkey bit a kid you know and and, and the, the the off the field stuff is always fun and, and interesting and dramatic dramatic in college football but it still pales to the on-field uh matchups and i think the matchups in this game are really fascinating uh as you look at this and and these two teams that stylistically i think are a little bit different in terms of both makeup um you know and and how they play the game uh, what are the things that stand out most to you about this matchup? It's a physical team in Utah, has versatility on defense. Devin Brown's a player, and I have no I, I have no idea. I hope I said his name correctly. Devin, um, Lloyd. I, I, Devin Lloyd, sorry. I don't I, I appreciate being compared to Devin Lloyd, especially <laughs> the way I sound today. because uh, if I'm performing at that kind of level, like sign me to all the deals right now. We joked that uh you know, Utah posted a picture of them flying out on the New England Patriots plane, and we've joked that the, the Patriots sent that so that they could just hide Devin Lloyd on the plane until they draft him in April. But he, you know, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you completely. He's a, he's a tremendous player, without a doubt. No, you're fine. A little humor is always good. Just brightens up everyone's day, especially when Jay messes up the name of player that Ohio State is pinpointing in this game. That matchup alone, knowing where Devin Lloyd is, and then also – Nephi, I always butcher his name. Nephi Sewell, is that get that Perfect. correct? Perfect, nailed yes. it. Look at that. I always pride myself with names, but then these, <laughs> I look at this roster, the depth chart. I'm like, wait, I can't pronounce half of these names. We're gonna butcher them as we go. But those two guys together on the Ohio State offense, when Ohio State has the ball, you have to notify and know where all those guys are. The last time Ohio State played a Sewell boy, it was Noah Sewell, and the the Sewell got the best of Ohio State September 11th, week number two. Hate to bring up that Oregon game, but it's still a factor in what we're going to talk about the rest of this show because this Sewell is good. I don't know what they do with the Sewell family. They got um, the Sewell that was at Oregon, the left tackle. Um, Panay. Panaya Sewell, thank you. Mm-hmm. They got Noah. Now they got Nephi. Is it is it another one that's coming down the road? I have no idea. But if there is, they're probably going to be as versatile and as good as the previous two are. That Those two gentlemen, Dev, Devin Lloyd and Nephi Sewell, those two guys have to be pinpointed. And Ohio State has to know where they are at every point, every second pre-snap, because if you don't, they're going to mess up anything Ohio Ohio State wants to do, running or passing the ball. And that's, you know, that's Utah's MO. It's a team that's really developed defensively this year, uh, which is a little surprising. Utah in the past has been a uh, defense-first football team. 
early on, this defense was was young and experienced. Only played five games last year because of the COVID situation, and it took some time for them to kind of come around. But you're absolutely correct in that it's it's Devin Lloyd and Nephi Sewell that that sort of uh, managed this thing uh, for the Utes. As we look at that matchup uh, against Ohio State, now 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 losing the starting left tackle is a big deal, mm-hmm. uh, but the bottom line is they still got Trevion Henderson, and uh, if he's not the best back in college football, he's one of the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you see him matching up against this Utah defense? And do you see you know because I I think really the perception at least anyways of Ohio State is that the this is a a, a team that's been able to uh, be super effective in the pass game, but do you see them maybe relying on him a little bit more now uh, because of the opt-outs? Oh, they're going to have to. And it won't just be just him. It will, it'll be Trevion Trevi Henderson as well as Mayan Williams, kind of a two-headed monster. I think when it comes to the carries, I would love to see them split carries because they're two different style backs, but I do think Ryan Day and Tony Alford, the running back coach, will end up giving more carries to Henderson, and that could be the downfall. Because I do think Mayan Williams, his physicality and his ability to run inside the tackles, I think in this kind of game, you're going to need that. The pre-snap stuff that Ohio State used to do, they went away from that against Michigan. They got to go back to that. Because if you talk about Henderson, Henderson flourishes when things happen pre-snap, which opened up lanes for him. Yes, he has amazing vision. But C.J. Stroud can assist pre-snap and helping him have wider lanes to run through once the ball is snapped so Travion Henderson is going to be key I'm curious very curious the kind of chess match back and forth that him Sewell and Lloyd will be playing during this game can't forget the big guys up front Junior Tafuna and I'm not gonna pronounce the V V Mahi I think I said that correctly Whoever's in the middle. Yeah, you're getting there, man. We're going to have you like all the Polynesian barbecues soon here. You're going to fit in perfectly out here. We got got people out here that still can't get some of those names right. You're killing it, man. Trying, buddy. I'm trying. Whoever's in the interior of the defensive line for Utah, couple that with the linebackers. If that's a mess, Ohio State Flourish is running the ball. If it's somewhat, if it's not a mess and it's somewhat favorable to Utah, but not really a, not really flourishing Ohio State can really move things but I still think it's a part advantage to Utah Ohio State has to dominate in that run game tackle to tackle to win this game if you can't tell already guys I'm a little nervous about this one because losing guys that we have lost knowing how Ohio State has played when at full strength when not at full strength this Utah team scares me and and this is a Utah team that's that's humming. They've done a really good job. I, I don't think they played their best game against Oregon in the in the Pac-12 championship game, and it, and they still ran them off the field there. Uh, Cameron Rising is is the leader offensively for Utah without a doubt, but he has a a, a cadre of guys um, that he can get the ball to the the tight ends especially, and I think that's uh, a fascinating matchup to me. That Utah has this trio of tight ends that have been just absolutely dominant throughout the Pac-12 in Cole Fotheringham, Dalton Kincaid, Brant Keithy, and and I think that you know one of the defensive leaders for Ohio State right now is Ronnie Hickman, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's a fascinating matchup. Is is what does what is Hickman able to do? How is he able to impact this game? Will he be able to take away one of those weapons from Cameron Rising and force Rising and, and Utah to, to to be a little more 
relying upon a wide receiver core that doesn't really have a star in it necessarily. Um, what can you tell Utah fans about Hickman and and uh, that the backfield for Ohio State? That Ronnie Hickman addition, moving around, strong safety, sometimes he's inside the box as a third linebacker, that's been really helpful for Ohio State. Ohio State does not want to play three linebackers on the field at one time. I do think there are times they need to play three linebackers. But they've been able to utilize and maneuver and really have Ronnie Hickman use that bullet. I call it the rover position or whatever you want to use that that special type defensive back in that 4-2-5 defense that's been Ronnie Hickman this year leading the team in tackles. I believe he's at 96 right now, assuming everything goes well and the game is played. He'll be over 100 tackles in this season, which is an amazing accomplishment, knowing what Ohio State's defense has been of late and seeing how he has really taken the new position by storm and played very, very well there. I do think I do think Ronnie Hickman, when it comes to the tight ends and really muddying them up and hitting them off the line, I do think that's going to be a big thing for him. I'm curious how much too high safety we're going to see from Ohio State this year. The single high safety with Bryson Shaw at times has been really a bad spot for Ohio State. So I'm curious about that one. But one thing I, I do think is Ronnie Hickman can be a big piece. I'm not sure if you're going to if you're going to see Marcus Williamson or Lathan Ransom at the cover safety or slot corner position. Whoever it is, Ronnie Hickman's on the field. He's all over the place. He's going to mess up the tight ends, I do believe. The running game to me still, though, of Utah – I don't care how good Roddy Hickman plays, how good Stowe Chambers plays. That running game, if they can cover up those defensive linemen, this could be another showing of what we saw against Michigan for Ohio State. It's not pretty, buddy. And and Utah has been extremely efficient in the downhill running game this year. They have Tavion Thomas, 6'2", 220, uh, and he is an excellent runner, and they, they do a great job with the inside zone. Like you said, uh, Hickman's not going to have the impact on that kind of, uh, you know, stopping right, uh, you right. know because he just can't be the guy that comes in there and plugs up the middle you know you're gonna have to depend on uh you know a lot of those inside linebackers the the Cody Simons the Bryson Shaws etc cetera, etc cetera, uh to see who really can you know plug up that middle I think the unique part about this is what Utah does personnel wise right they run a lot of 12 and 13 personnel with those tight ends and because they are so versatile and interchangeable you know that there will be times where you'll see Kincaid or Keithy line out line up as the flanker or, or the Y or excuse me the X or you know whatever it is and, and so I think that's where it really gets intriguing on on the defensive side of the ball for Ohio State is is how do they match up I think that's where you know Hickman has uh, the potential to make a big impact you know if you do maybe like a spotlight coverage or or something like that to where he's he's following one of those guys around you could force Utah into doing something that they haven't done a lot, which is, you know, trying to go downfield. And, and especially if they do decide to go single high, you know, maybe Utah tries to press and go deep a little bit more than they're used to, um, depending on how things go with the run game. Now, we saw Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game try to just basically say, yeah, we're going to put every guy where you're going to try and run the ball to try and stop you. And it lasted for about a quarter and, and Utah was right back to just running downhill. And and that running game, I think, you know, has developed. They've gotten very physical with it. They've got some big physical guys up front. I expect Utah to be very healthy. They've got two, uh, two senior offensive linemen and Nick Ford and Bam Olesheny that, that, you know, big physical guys uh, most likely will end up getting drafted uh, for sure. Nick Ford at the center position. Um, you know, so I think that's a very interesting aspect of it. I think special teams 
plays a big role in this one. I think there's a lot of talent in Ohio State that plays all over the field. And Utah special teams have struggled. You know, they struggled to get the punt off. They've had two punts blocked this year. Uh, I think Britton Covey is a dangerous return man for the Utes. And, and you know, I, I think that's an interesting matchup as well because Utah has fared extremely well when it comes to field position. And so this matchup across the board has a lot of keys. Uh, I think the biggest key, though, and, and it's it's just the way of college football, it's the way of the football in general right now is a quarterback position. Uh, and when you put C.J. Stroud and Cameron Rising together, I think that C.J. Stroud is, is without a doubt the elite quarterback in this group. What are you expecting from him, and, and what do you expect to see out of him in order to uh, see Ohio State win this game? I'm expecting him to – do something he hasn't done much all year, and Ohio State fans have been yelling and yelling and yelling and coaching from their couches. He's probably going to have to run the ball a little bit in this game. And I don't think it's something that he can't do. I think he made a comment after a game one day, and he said, if I was, if my job was to run the ball, I would be a running back. Now, that's kind of a very bold statement to say, but he's right in the aspect that he is a quarterback. And Ryan Day's offense, the quarterback is asked to throw the ball. Not the day of Justin Fields or not the day of Johnny Manziel or an RG3 or the guys that we've seen recently were their dual threat. No, no, no. CJ Stroud is a thrower of the football. But when you're losing your top two receivers in Wilson and Alave, Jackson Smith and Jigba, does he stay in the slot? Does he move outside? That's something that we'll see in the game. Do they throw in Emeka Egbuka or Julian Fleming or Marvin Harrison Jr.? All of the names I just mentioned got very little clock this year. So I do think there will be times – Utah might bring more pressure. Like I'm telling, I'm not the defensive coordinator. Utah's going to bring more pressure. Why? Because they know it's going to. The timing is not going to be the same as it has been for Olave and Wilson and even Smith and Jigba throughout the entirety of the season. More pressure, flushing out, rolling the pocket, and it's going to be five to eight to ten yard gaps and holes right there in the flat where he can just take advantage of those and run and get a first down. I think that's one thing, an added wrinkle from C.J. Stroud, we'll probably see in this game because his legs will be needed for him to be successful without his two best receivers. And I think it really plays against two, uh, what what I should say is that it neutralizes two strengths that Utah has in their ends, Van Fillinger and Mika Tafua. Uh, Tafua led the the Pac-12 in sacks this year. Um, He's an elite rush end, you know, and I think that Utah is going to try and use him to rush as much as possible. If Stroud can get out and move with his feet, uh, we've seen that Utah in the past has struggled with that. I think they've had a lot of uh, uh, effective, you know, pressure this season and and that's a the, an mo of this defense and so um again spot on with the uh with the breakdown on that one um i love this matchup i really do i think it's going to be a really fun game still even with the opt-outs i think <laughs> i mean i look at that ohio state roster and i'm just like holy cow when did the four stars stop <laughs> um, <laughs> you know especially as a guy who who kind of got his start in this business uh with recruiting you know, there's a lot of really good, talented players on that team, um, and it's just it, it's a program in Ohio State that that brings with it so much tradition. Uh, as as you look at this game, as we kind of wrap this thing up, uh, give me just your your overall feeling for it, and and also what has you most excited about it. Overall feel. No, I'll go to the most excited part first because the overall feeling is going to be a little. Uh, little different than most games that I talk about here on the on the podcast. Um, I am excited for the Rose Bowl. Always my favorite game bowl game of the year. Um, it's up there with the national championship. This 
is i hope i'm not can you see me yeah oh, here I got we go you. okay sometimes that happens the whole system uh freezes up every now and then but this game here the backdrop the grass i i i'm one of those weird fans that loves games on grass and this is the best field to play football on in the country seeing a lot of great fields out there this one is the best and i'm excited because of this one if Ohio State wins, they have the most Rose Bowl wins in Rose Bowl history. If Utah wins, it's their first Rose Bowl win in school history. So it's a lot of good things going on back and forth. It's the Rose Bowl, the granddaddy of them all. I'm just excited that Ohio State's playing. They're playing a worthy opponent in Utah. I do think it'll be a hard-fought game all four quarters. My overall feel for this game is it's not going to go the way that Buckeye fans thinks it's going to. Even at full strength, I still think – I talk about that pressure that, that – we might see from Utah. I think we're going to see a lot of pressure from Utah, even early, because Ohio State's offensive line at times has struggled. They've been moving pieces around, and knowing that your normal left tackle is not there, you're moving a left tackle in where the opponent, where the slide left for their Munford. But Matt Jones hasn't played this much all year. He's got some sprinkles here and there, but he hasn't played this much at left guard or any part of the, of the field of the, uh, of the game all year long. That kind of worries me. He's a good player. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to knock him. But when you're getting a lot of run against a team like Utah that's fighting, that's going to be crawling, going to be not literally biting, but <laughs> doing all the things that they need to do to win the game, I do think Ohio State's offensive line is going to have a tough task. Defensively, I don't see how they do much um, different than what we saw against Michigan. I mean, this is still the same football team that they have been all 12 games of regular season. They're still the soft football team that we saw against Michigan. Uh, even though there has been a long time in between games, Ohio State's personnel just got worse. Didn't get better. It got worse. I'm nervous, man. I, I have not been this nervous about an Ohio State football game in quite a long time. I was confident going into the Alabama game, and then I quickly realized my confidence was a little um, fool's gold instead of actual reality. Um, yeah, I am nervous about this one. Not going to lie to you. I haven't put my official pick in online, but if I had to do it, um, I'll give it later. But uh, you might know where I'm going with when I say who might win this game. Yeah, and, and the line has kind of reflected that that uh, uh, we'll say uh, uh, instability, right? With, yes. with who might win this one is we've seen it kind of drop a little bit and head a little bit more in Utah's favor. And if you want to make sure that you get some money on the game. Be sure to head over to betonline.ag. BetOnline has you covered this holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. As football continues its march through the college bowl season and the pro football playoffs, BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code Locked On to receive that bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas ca casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 and 2022 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. So don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available. Bet online, where the game starts. On the flip side of things, I, I love this matchup for, for Utah. I think it's um, you know, it, it, for a program and for a team like Utah, this might be your best chance to be in an Ohio State team. Uh, this is a team that uh, is is still loaded with talent. It's still a, a Big Ten uh, juggernaut. It, it is a, a blue blood in college football. 
and you know Utah has notched a few wins over them over over the Blue Bloods in the years, but this is a program in Utah that's really trying to establish itself as worthy of national relevance. And so this is an opportunity, in, in a lot of positive sense, for Utah to go out and, and prove that they belong, right? The, to prove that this year was not a fluke for them winning the Pac-12 championship, to prove and, and to finish a season, uh, you know, by, by winning the Rose Bowl that they've ded- dedicated to two of their lost teammates. And, you know, this is a team that's gone through a lot of tragedy and turned it into some triumph. And, and I think they want to go out and finish the job. Uh, that being said, um, you know, it, it's it's a unique matchup because I think there's a lot of strength versus uh, weakness and, and, and strength versus strength in, in some respects. Like, both these teams have great running backs. Both these teams have great running games. Uh, both these teams have, you know, some stars out there that, that make them better and make them who they are. Uh, but at the same time, I think Utah has a ferocious pass rush. I think that matches up well against Ohio State. Uh, I think that C.J. Stroud is – he's one of my favorite quarterbacks in the country regardless. Uh, but I think that, you know, the fact that he's a Heisman finalist, the way he was recognized, the way he's played this year, uh, just kind of validated, I guess, my own feelings about him, which, you know, makes me feel good. Um, but, you know, he's he he's going to have to carry a, a heavy load. You know, how does he handle having to carry that much of the burden this year? Um, so I, I prediction-wise, I just – I don't know. Uh, this is one of those games where, you know, there are so many factors and, and nuances to it where I'm just not – um, I'm not sure how it works out. Um, you know, I've, I've kind of leaned towards Utah in, in every single game that they've been in for the last uh, few matchups. Uh, this is the one where I'm just I'm not sure that uh, I see it as clearly as, as I did before. I, I think that Ohio State is still a tremendous program. And, and Ryan Day uh, with, you know, three to four weeks to, to prepare for an opponent like and then you know that's that's a that's a lot of time for one of the best coaches in college football yeah. and and uh you know even that part of it is a great matchup right day versus you know the, the young up-and-comer versus the 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 uh the stalwart that's been at utah for almost 20 years now in kyle whittingham um that being said you know it's going to be really fun to, to to see the rose bowl uh to see it in person like you talked about i'm one of those junkies to where the scenery and the turf and, mm-hmm. and dumb things like the the mm-hmm. sideline paint get me jacked up mm-hmm. as well. Um, so that's going to be really neat and really fun. And, and I think it's going to be a very pro Utah crowd down there as well. Um, it's an easy trip for most Utahns. I know that they've bought up a, a absolute glut of tickets already. So, um, you know, with everything going into it, uh, whatever the result, this is going to be a great uh, atmosphere for, for uh, a college football game, number one. Number two, I think people are going to be super entertained by it on TV, uh, watching at home. And, and, you know, I'm hoping for a good result for Utah, obviously. Uh, but I know I've been around this game long enough and I've seen it enough to know that anything can happen on any given Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm never going to count out a team like Ohio State. There's too much respect for that. But, you know. Uh, uh, again, going to be a fun one. Uh, this, for me, is always the most fun part about it, getting to talk to you. Uh, I mean, I almost want to host a Big Ten podcast just so we can do this more often because <laughs> it's such a blast. Uh, I'm jealous of the Locked On Big Ten guys, who get uh, people who get to uh, uh, do it with you. But, Jay, thank you so much for uh, for setting up some time to do this and, and for chatting with me. I know that Utah fans have been uh, just gobbling up content left and right. They're going to be excited about this one. I don't think that there's anybody out there who knows or covers the team better than you do uh, for Locked On Buckeyes. What else do you have cooking? What I got cooking is a little game prediction. Um, you don't know. I don't know. But I do. what I do know is this. Ohio State is a soft football team. The last time we saw Ryan Day 
have this much time to prepare, he obliterated Clemson. I mean, just destroyed Clemson. This is a different team in Utah. I think their fan base will be loud. I, t- I was on the radio th- today um, in Utah, and your co-host actually set, set that up for me um, to be on the radio show there. And I told them it'll probably be a 60-40 or maybe 70-30 split Utah to Ohio State fans. I firmly believe that. And I think it's going to be a big factor in this game. If I had got a pick and make a pick right now, no, this is a Tuesday, I got a Utah winning this one. I have not picked Ohio State to lose a football game in a very long time. I'm not too confident about this one. My gut's saying go with Utah. I'm not going against my gut feeling. Normally when I do that, I am wrong. I hope I am wrong at this point, but I still think it's going to be Utah uh, winning the Rose Bowl, their first Rose Bowl win in school history. That's about it, man. That's the only thing I got cooking right now. Um, check out Locked on Buckeyes um, the rest of the week. Got things cooking, got things going for you. And uh, we'll be prepared, talking all the good things left that are Ohio State-centered. But right now, Brian, I'm leaning Utah. Yeah, it's uh, – <laughs> I hate throwing out predictions because that opens you up to be same, the jinx. Same. But, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm – I'm, on the field, there are reasons to believe in Utah. I think off the field, there are even more reasons to believe in Utah. Um, I think, you know, this is a Utah team that's motivated, that's pushing. You had everybody come back that wanted to play in this game. They want this badly. Uh, and, and they want to prove themselves, and they want to, you know, finish things, like I said, for, for Ty Jordan and for Aaron Lowe. Um, you know, it, it, everything set aside, I think that, that to me – uh, it, it just has a feel of one of those seasons that, you know, <laughs> I mean, it was fitting that they were all at Disneyland yesterday. So maybe right, we do get right. the Disney ending where Utah does come out on top. And if so, it would be a tremendous thing for the program. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning towards that direction just simply because I, I, I know how hard it is to overcome everything that Ohio State has to overcome, right? And, and you're in this transition phase. Leadership is coming in. Leadership is going out. Um, and that's really hard to stay consistent. Um, but, you know, again, for everybody out there who wants more Jay content, you can catch him on the interview this morning on The Zone, 1280 The Zone. You can find that over at kslsports.com. We'll prop them up all the time. Uh, I, I was excited that, that Jay got you on because I knew that you'd do great. Um, thank you so much for doing this with me. Uh, hope you enjoy the rest of the uh, the the week off, so to speak. Um, you know, it's never really a week off when you're uh, when you're doing the podcast daily. But I uh, also want to thank everybody for, for joining us here Um on the Locked On Crossover Network. I, yeah, I, uh, yeah. Yeah. We'll call Sounds it whatever good. it is. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you, everybody. Be sure to uh, follow Jay at JStevens07. Follow me at BrownBearSLC uh, on the Twitters. And then, uh, like I said, gobble up all that uh, Locked On Buckeye content while you can because it's it's perfect time to know your foe. Hope you all enjoyed the crossover episode with Jay Stevens of Locked On Buckeyes. We'll be back again tomorrow with more breakdowns previews statistical previews all that kind of stuff here on the locked on Utes podcast as utah steams forward into the rose bowl in 2022 thank you as always for following this has been the locked on Utes podcast for december 30th 2021 we will talk to you again tomorrow